Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. I'm Thomas Miller. You know, if you could be Robert for a second, and here's a new client that has come to you for an astrological reading, and you cast the chart, where do your eyes first fall on that chart? We're going to find out today why one house in particular has become a focal point for Robert, so much that he wrote a pamphlet about it, which is on Amazon if you search up Robert Glasscock. You get the pamphlet about this house. I'm not going to give it away with the title yet. Robert, let's let a little bit of suspense be in here. What house, or when you cast a chart and look at it for the first time, what gravitates you? The sixth. The, the sixth. sixth house. Wow. Yes. I knew that. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, you're reading the old books, and it's absolutely true. Work and occupation. But it's more, and it's also health. And I don't know when, I think this probably happened gradually, but I began to realize that this house, in terms of health, let's say, rules not only physiological health, but also psychological health. And I realized this is the house, the sixth house, that comes just before the seventh, which is where we emerge into the public sphere, the upper half of our chart compared to the private sphere, which is below the ascendant descendant horizon line. So the sixth house gradually became, for me, symbolic of how we put ourselves together as an individual. It synthesizes everything that's gone before it developmentally from the first house through the second, third, fourth, and fifth, and finally, in the sixth house, we begin to try and put together all of the facets of our life as they exist, up to, and also for the rest of our lives. This is how we either become whole and, oh, let's say, ease, because dis-ease is what this house indicates. When you've got a, a state of dis-ease or conflict in archetypes, let's say, energies, that leads to actual physical as well as mental dis-ease, a lack of ease. Conversely, if you are integrated as in Jungian or individuated, which is Jungian psychology, if you're whole in that way, then you're expressing the positive archetypes of your sixth house, both physiologically and psychologically. I happen to have Uranus in that house in Gemini and retrograde. And it's absolutely true for me. I am a very Uranian kind of guy, not only in terms of what I do for a living, which is both astrology, which is Uranus, and writing for television, which is also Uranus, in Gemini, again, of communications. So from birth, I was aware I there's nobody else out there like me. I don't see any other people whose lives I want to emulate. In fact, when I looked around, I thought, you know, every couple that I see, like my parents, I don't want that kind of life. I was very independent from very, very young. Moon and Aries is part of that. But I put myself together through Uranus and Gemini. And as it turned out, astrology found me, literally, as you know, when I was 20, just about to be 21. And from that day forward, I've put myself together, understood myself, my life through astrology. 
And that's my sixth house with Uranus in it at birth in Gemini. And of course, it happens to be trying my son, which is the life force. So good for me. And thank you, God, for bringing astrology into my life, because it's absolutely kept me alive. I would have been dead long ago, truly, with my horoscope. If, if I had been unconscious, and that's what these horoscopes make you, is they give you a pathway to consciousness. So I look at a person's six-house chart as being their psychological health of house of psychological self-integration or lack of it. If you have hard aspects there, you, you can see. So I, for example, have Uranus square Jupiter. So, of course, one of the things I have to watch out for are excesses of all kinds, not only in uh, food and drink, but also in terms of speech and opinions and controversies, because Uranus square Jupiter, already I'm a Libra. So I will argue with anybody for the rest of their lives if they let me. But it's the same thing with Uranus square Jupiter. I can say things that I later regret if I say them impulsively and thoughtlessly and without compassion and without a sense of understanding. So you have Mercury and Jupiter and Sagittarius in your sixth house. So you can know that higher knowledge is the way that you put yourself together. You're also eternally optimistic with this. No matter what happens to you in life, you figure this is a lesson that I am meant to learn and meant to grow from. And as you know, Sagittarius is associated with religion. So in your life, that's played a really strong role in your life. And what's happened with you is with Mercury and Jupiter there, your whole life, I want to learn. I want to know more. I want to take this as far as I can in a really positive way. And I want to communicate this to as many people as I can. I'm a teacher. I'm a healer. I'm a thinker. I'm a talker. I'm a traveler. I'm an explorer. On and on and on. So you will instinctively resist anything that constrains you. And in fact, what you did was to outgrow the religions that of your childhood. It's not that they're bad, wrong, or indifferent. It's that you outgrew them. You began to understand, okay, here's what, here's what religion is teaching me. Let me think about this. Let me explore this, because you're always exploring. And gradually you realize these are stories at a certain level about God. Meanwhile, I've discovered other ways to be in contact with what we call God, with that kind of consciousness, that go beyond what I was told. So it's not a matter of you slamming the door on your religious past. It's a matter of outgrowing it. It still is the basis for the way you live, really, except you've taken it onto this higher philosophical and metaphysical plane with Mercury and Jupiter there. And that's how you put yourself together. You're a born communicator with that. And you mentioned your square. I've uh, got a square to Pluto. And I really, I look at Pluto automatically. I think, okay, if you're going to be obsessive compulsive, that's where you're going to be obsessive compulsive. And in your case, it has to do with your work, Virgo, and your communications and your thought. All, all everything that you do really is in Virgo. Well, and as a kid, I was going into the ministry to tell a lot of people that they were going to hell when they died. And now, so you've outgrown that, that notion of hell with the fire, the brimstone, the devil, and the horned tail, and pitchforks, and all of that, which is fine. It's just a little childish in terms of 
the truth. And it is something that a child can understand. I, one of my issues with revealed religions or religions in general is they don't permit questioning. And you are all about questioning. You question everything. With Pluto and Virgo square that Mercury and Jupiter, you have since day one. You know, what's and, amazing is it took so long for me to question that. But boy, once I did. Well, you know, if you go back to Martin Luther, for example, the Protestant Reformation, and I love this one. Uh, he nailed his, what was it, 96, I forget the number, all these proclamations. 95, that, yeah. 95, thank, that he nailed onto the door of the Catholic Church. And one of them flat says, reason is a whore that must be plucked from the eye of every Christian, period. <laughs> well, what he's really saying is critical thinking is a whore. That yeah. Must, yeah. And that's the problem that religions have to this day, because if you begin investigating their origins or you begin questioning them, watch what happens. That's amazing, isn't it? You're going to get shunned. Yeah, exactly. And that was the, so. ref that was the Reformation, that comment well, anyway we don't need to go down that road <laughs> look at what's happening today all yeah. of these religions are trying to censor information so it's a real battle and it's been going on since time immemorial the catholic church fought the printing press tooth and nail they didn't want people to be able to have bibles much less any other kind of books well they lost that battle so that's that's that aspect in your chart that Pluto's squaring the Mercury-Jupiter. It makes you skeptical, basically, and very penetrating. You're a deep thinker. Pluto in the third house, are you kidding? So do you give equal weight to that psychological self-integration along with job, along with health, or do you prioritize? Does one weightier than the they other? They absolutely tie in. If you look at mine, for example, and I was always this way as a kid, I really like people and I am sociable, but I am also, I've always been aware, I am not like most people, really anybody else that I know. Now, everybody can say that to a degree, but with me, for example, it has, it, I think it always was, I started to say a matter of pride. I don't know if that's accurate, but I understood about myself that being different and thinking differently about everything from the people I knew was advantageous for me and it was going to save me and it was going to lead me somewhere because I'm very experimental with Uranus and Gemini. I'll, I'll try anything if I'm interested in it to see if it works. Uh, and so as it's turned out that Uranus is absolutely connected with my work, what I do for a living in the sixth house. I'm a writer, I'm an astrologer, I'm a thinker, I'm a talker, I'm a podcaster, I'm a, I do online webinars and so on. So it's totally my whole life. Wow. So I really, I put a, a lot of emphasis on the sixth house. I really do. Now, I'm, I'm being, I, I put myself together through Gemini and Uranus and Gemini. So it's, I love, I love the world. I love variety. I don't want to live in a town or a place where there's only one race or two. I loved Los Angeles all those years. One point, the schools were teaching in 86 different languages, believe it or not. So there are people from all over the world in Los Angeles. You walk out the door, you're with them. 
So I love that kind of life and that very, kind of yeah. Eleven. So the love, the love of freedom and independence is very strong with Uranus and Gemini, and that's really what I. That's why I'm not married, to yeah. tell you the truth, because even that to me felt limiting. That's amazing. There's something else in your sixth house that we that some people would have, and I know they'd love your take on it. You have the part of fortune. I love that point. If you have a time of birth, the part of fortune synthesizes the sun, the moon, and the ascendant, which are the three most personal points in the horoscope. So that point, the part of, you know, the Arabic parts, which this is one of, I don't know, there's some, what, 60 or 80 of them? I don't yeah, 60-something, I think. Mostly, most astrologers only use this one, but that's why it's so valuable. It's the only point in the chart that does that, that synthesizes the sun, the moon, and the ascendant. So it becomes a symbol of wholeness or completeness. And here it is in my chart in Cancer along with Saturn. And Saturn in Cancer has trouble with emotions, with feelings. Even if it's well-aspected, it still is Saturn. And it has to learn to be responsible, which is a Saturn keyword. And I think it's the main keyword with Saturn. Be responsible with your feelings, Bob, especially toward other people. Because without that, you're going to be really insensitive and really cold and never make any connections emotionally at all. You may connect very well intellectually, but when it comes to feelings or living together in cancer, signing cancer on a day-to-day -day basis, you reject that unconsciously. This is nothing rational about cancer. It's a water sign. You can think all you want to, but the feelings. Well, I was raised in an atmosphere that I didn't like. And I knew, oddly enough, at age 10, which this is, uh, I knew at 10 that I didn't want to live where I was born or anywhere near it. I did not see any life, lives around me that I wanted to emulate. I didn't know a single married couple that I wanted to live like. Like. They either were very dull or they had massive issues like alcoholism and so on, dysfunctionality. And I thought, these people are nuts, crazy. So I told my family, actually, I was 13 when I told them, when I grow up, this is where I'm living. We were on vacation in Los Angeles. I knew then that I was going to get away from all of this as soon as I could and find my own life. And I did. But that's, that part of fortune is what you, what you can actually succeed at or make money at in your life. If you want to, it can be that practical or that pragmatic. So, in fact, what I do for a living is to consult people, which is Saturn in the seventh. It's accidentally dignified when it's in the seventh. But I have to learn how to be responsible for the cancerian traits, namely feelings and compassion and a sense of protection and nurturing. And that's what's symbolized in that that four, uh, moon at four degrees cancer there, which, by the way, squares my moon, which is the ruler of my seventh house, other people. And it's been true all my life. And thank heaven I have learned to be uh, pay attention to what am I saying and what am I doing around other people? And is it coming from selfishness or is it coming or, or pretense like trying to show off for other people or is it coming from a real sense of this person is coming to me as an astrologer for some help and understanding and maybe some solutions can you give that to them you bet 
So when you look at a new chart and you catch the essence of that sixth house, like you've just described, as I know you can do very quickly, then how do you start to fit that in when you look at their sun and rising sign and where their moon is, et cetera? Very good. Well, let's say this, for example, with my chart, the Uranus and Gemini in my six, I like to be funny. I am funny. I like people who are funny. I love people. with. If you don't have a sense of humor, it tells me something about you, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And then, well, then you can say, all right, I'm being Uranus and Gemini, but I'm being it as a Libra, as opposed to if my son were in Scorpio, it would be a different reading. The same thing would be true. But the appearance, the way I would relate to that from a sun sign perspective would be completely different than, you know, Libra versus Scorpio. Libra happens to harmonize with this Uranus position in Gemini. Scorpio doesn't. It would be in an inconjunct. Yeah. So a Scorpio sun with this exact same position of Uranus would have a lot more trouble integrating it into their lives than I do. You've got the air compatibility there. Exactly. Well, thank you for illuminating us to this. And also, Robert has written a book on this that is on Amazon. It's called Notes on Essential Astrology, or Notes on the Essentials of Astrology, The Sixth House, Psychology of Self-Integration. And that's available on Amazon. There's a series of booklets that he's written there that are all Kindle eBooks. And if you'd like to talk to him personally about your own chart, we have that available in the show notes. There's a direct link to book him and you can also join our discord group which continues the conversation past these podcasts thank you so much for listening we'll be back on the next old soul new soul astrology podcast with robert glasscock <music>